Ortiz fights it off center field. Damon running to the plate, and he can keep on running to New York. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. I can't circle. I don't have my telestrator today, but why? here comes a pizza. See it? <laughs> This is our fucking city, and nobody gonna dictate our freedom. Stay strong. Welcome back to the Name Redacted Podcast, America's most beloved podcast, the most downloaded Red Sox podcast in the world. Uh, an eventful, uh, I guess, week since the last time that we did a podcast, and uh, one of the big stories from this past week that I was personally de- de- devastated by was uh, Matt Barnes designated for assignment by the Boston Red Sox and in the process of, of that happening was then traded to the Miami Marlins. Uh, Jake's here, Tyler's here, and we're going to break down that story uh, with Matt Barnes <laughs> of... The now Miami Marl. How weird is that to say? Like you, that's the o- only organization you've ever known as the Boston Red Sox, and like you've got everyone and their mom posting like "Welcome to Miami, Matt Barnes." Uh, it, it's weird. I'll be honest with you, man. Like <laughs> talking to some people, and I said, you know what? Weird's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Just for the starters, but like it's weird. Like it just is. I've been in Boston for 12 years. It's all I've ever known. You know, I Fabulous was my first manager in Pro Bowl in Lowell when I went there mm-hmm. in 2011. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Bullpen coach Kevin Walker was my high A pitching coach. Like, I mean, Pete Fozzi, the hitting coach, was mm-hmm. my college teammate. You know what I mean? So like you start throwing all this around and it's and it's crazy. You know, they become a second family. Yeah, I mean, it's. I remember I was at the your major league debut. I remember that I was at your major league debut. Uh, I can't remember who it was against. Um, the Orioles at Fenway. Okay. Yep. Yep. I was there, and that feels to me like a long time ago. And obviously, I mean, it was. any <laughs> it, it was a long time. Twenty fourteen. <laughs> that's a long time ago. But also, just you know, when 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 a casual baseball fan is introduced to a big leaguer, it's that's just the tip of the iceberg. Like your, your baseball journey starts so much longer before that. And I remember talking to you um, when Vasky got traded and it was like, Mm. you guys came through the ranks together and it was that like, talk about that journey, like having Christian Vasquez as your guy from day one, come through the system and then play in the big leagues together. Yeah. Forever. I mean, it wasn't just him either. Right. So like Vasky was my catcher in high A and from high A all the way until he got traded, he was my catcher. You know how lucky I am to have yeah. that guy be my catcher in high A. Mm-hmm. You kidding me? <laughs> um, it's unbelievable. You got throughout everybody in under the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was Vasky, even bogey leaving. Now I played with bogey in high A and everywhere. I mean, he moves a little faster than I did because these said Bogarts, but we played together at every level, right? Um, Workman, when he got traded, Workman and I played together in the Cape my freshman year. So I had known him even two years before I got into Pro Bowl. Um, but then he gets traded. It's crazy. But I'll tell you what, honestly, there's, there's probably not a lot of guys that 
are fortunate enough. There's not a lot of guys who are fortunate enough to play their whole career with one team. So when I can say that I had 12 years with one and parts of whatever it is, nine seasons in the big leagues with them, like when you look back on it, like that in itself is pretty cool. I know that it came to an end mm-hmm. in, in a manner that was probably a little bit surprising to more than one person, but you know, it's when you look at it, you're like, damn, it was 12 years. Like, it's kind of crazy, especially when you get into it. You're like, I don't know. And I, you know, I had God knows how many years where I was thrown around in trade talks. And I was like, well, this is the year. And it just never happened. So mm-hmm. when, when's the first time that you remember being in trade talks? Probably like 19. Probably 19, 18, I mean, 16, 17, we won the division going to the postseason. So like we weren't going, we weren't selling anybody then. 18, obviously we didn't sell anybody. Um, But like maybe 19, because we were supposed to be really good and a lot of injuries kind of derailed the season and ended up not being that great. Um, And I had some control left. So it was kind of like a a perfect storm maybe, but it never happened. And then 20 for sure. 21 didn't. And then last year, well, no, last year I couldn't have because I was hurt. But well, I guess I could have, but probably wasn't going to. Yeah. What, what, what would you describe as the peak of your career so far? Would you pick the World Series title? Would you pick the All-Star selection? Or would you pick uh, the contract extension? Man, those are tough. You had to pick three good ones, huh? Um, <laughs> honestly. Or if it's something else. No, it's it's definitely one of those three. Um, but honestly, probably like the World Series to me is the hardest to get. Mm-hmm. Right? Because the World Series is a collection of like really 40 guys coming together. It's not just the 25 who are on the field or on the roster at that time, right? Um if you're fortunate enough to play long enough, you're going to get an extension just by sheer math. Um, so I, I honestly, probably the world series. Cause I remember, I remember sitting in the bullpen and we're up by four and was it game five sales warming up? Evo is warming up. And we had Craig Kimball still like, he wasn't even, he wasn't even on the mound. <laughs> right. and, I'm, and I'm just, and I'm like, we're gonna win. Like we're gonna win the World Series. <laughs> I'm like, there's no I'm yeah. like, there's no way. There's no way that one that the combination of these three guys can't get three outs before giving up four runs. Like it's just not gonna right. happen. And then watching the whole thing and then sprinting out. I, I don't know. It was just that whole collection of what happened was just so incredible. So you would you would put that I mean, I feel like most guys, if not all guys would say like yeah like you know I'm, I'm picking a world series like we we just did the uh the winter weekend thing which by the way at people that were like yeah matt barnes wasn't at winter weekend like that was like he saw the like dude he fucking he has a place in florida like he lives in florida he had shit to do like because he oh he lives in connecticut he was he was right there he could have made it. it's like dude not like I, there were plenty of players <laughs> yeah like he was in florida and there were plenty of players that did not go like it has nothing to do with any writing on the wall um it, but, the, the real reason i didn't the real reason i didn't go is because 
three days after I was going to come back from winter weekend, I had to fly to Vegas for a wedding. And I literally, that Thursday, I drove to Tampa for my flight, flew from Tampa to Vegas on Friday, from Vegas back to New Jersey on Monday, which by the way, was a nightmare. I had a five hour delay in Vegas. Awful. Awful. <laughs> and then, yeah, awful. And then, well, I was supposed to fly back down to Florida, to Florida today, but well, didn't make that flight. So now I'm flying <laughs> no. back on Monday. Yeah, I was supposed to go back to Fort Myers, but um, I don't have a place to work out there anymore. So I, uh, I decided to stay in Connecticut for a little bit longer. <laughs> so weird. Like, it's so weird. I mean, I, uh, I, I'm sure obviously you were blindsided, but like, I remember when, when you, I thought you were fucking with me. I thought you were fucking with me <laughs> when you texted me. Cause I was like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. Like it just does it, like logistically roster construction wise. I, I thought that you were fucking, especially with, with your contract, like every, like if you laid out all the elements, like you're telling me that this is the move that makes the most sense. And I, I don't know. Uh, so I guess we can just go there because I still want to talk about uh, good memories. Uh, so I guess we can just kind of cut to the chase. Okay. Like where, where were you? Like when you got the call, who was it that called you first? Was it AC or Heim? Uh, and like, how, how would you say the conversation played out? Um, yeah, so Heim called me, and ironically, I had just sat down to play some video games. Mm -hmm. It was about to hop into a game, and I like heard my phone vibrate once, and I saw Heim, and I was like, I almost didn't pick it up because I was that's my video games, and I was like, that thought didn't even cross my mind. I thought it was like a standard check in, hey, how you doing, whatever, and I was like, all right, well, I'll just call him back in a minute. Like I just almost didn't pick up the phone. And I was like, oh, you know what? I haven't gotten out in the game yet. Let me just, I'll answer it. And he calls me and we start talking for a second. He's like, yeah, so we're uh, going to DFA you. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, we're going to DFA you. And I was like, why? I was like, <laughs> why? <"What>, what? <laughs> I'm like, what's the logic there? I'm like, you got to explain this to me. Cause like, I need to know what you're thinking. And it was essentially like, roster construction with having to have some flexible pieces um and on paper analytically the last two months of the season were he didn't say lucky but kind of insinuated that because your last 12 appearances were scoreless correct yeah when i from the time that i came off the dl to the end of the season was 24 25 games i had like a one four Yeah, like that. Uh, I five. actually have the numbers. Yeah, I got the numbers time. right here. If you if you go back to August fourth, which was right when you came back, it was twenty two and two thirds innings uh, over that stretch with that ERA. Like it, it was dominant. The FIP was good as well. Um, but yeah, I think that was kind of the shock with everybody. Every yeah. I think all of us, all the Matt Barnes fans, were kind of tweeting at the time. Like, all right, we saw the energy from you on the mound that hadn't really been there. You know, as you were trying to figure it out. Obviously, you were going through your bumps and bruises, but like. It looked like confidence-wise, even you on yep. the mound, you looked like, all right, I feel 100%, like Matt Barnes again. 100%. That's exactly what happened. I, I mean, I, and listen, I, I, I've tried to pride myself on being honest and truthful, and I call a spade a spade. I mean, let's not, 
let's not hide behind it. I just, I sucked for a little while there. Right. I mean, I, I sucked and then I got hurt and then was able to figure a bunch of stuff out when I got hurt. Um, came back and I felt good. I was like, I got it. We're good. Let's roll. And then I yeah. mean, I, I, and, and obviously the, the results kind of, but that's kind of how that conversation, before that's the, how that conversation went. Before the 12 scoreless, um, there was a point last year because <clears throat> I pointed it out to you. Uh, I don't know. Just like guys, guys that like I, I would consider friends. I, I hone in more like when they're either pitching or, or doing their thing, whatever. And for you, there was one outing in particular. I can't remember who it was against, um, but it was at home and you were struggling with your control and the, the crowd at Fenway was booing because you had like walked a guy and then the next guy you like threw a couple of balls and I had noticed that you were working a lot quicker than you normally were. Was that yep. something where you felt like it was like, I'm just trying to throw a strike so that they don't boo again? Like, do you think, cause in it, you know, you talk about like the injury part of it was any part of your struggles prior to coming back. Was any of that mental in your opinion? I would say probably the vast majority of it, honestly, it was now without a doubt, there was some physical, like mechanical stuff that wasn't working. Right. So the mechanical stuff was the start of it. Right. That's kind of how it all started. When I came out, I was like, start of the season, I'm like 91, 92, 93. And I'm like, all right, well, I haven't always thrown my hardest in like the beginning of April anyways. It's typically like once we get into like the end of April, May is when it really starts to tick up for me. Um, but it never came, right? So the hardest part for me was, and I've never been a massive strike thrower, just like an absolute pound the zone kind of guy with the exception of like the first half of 21. But I was always fine and got away with a lot of it because I could strike guys out and just out stuff guys on the mound when I had to, right? I could walk a guy but punch out too and be completely fine. Um, my biggest thing on the mental side of it was I didn't have my shit. And I've never not had my shit before. Like, like I said, I've struggled throwing strikes before, but it was always struggle throwing strikes at 97, 98 with a banger. Now it was, I can't throw strikes. And I've got 91 with a loopy nothing. You know what I mean? It was just like, ugh. It just like got mm. there. And that's when I was like, uh-oh. Like, this isn't good. Like, what do I do now? And then I was like, okay, well, I need to try and do something else because I'm getting barreled all across the yard or I'm walking half the team. I was like, this isn't work. So... Once I got to that point, I was like, oh, I don't have my stuff. Then I was like, then the mental stuff starts going. And I'm like, all right, well, I don't know. And then then you get kind of tentative on the mound and you get really hesitant to come after guys. And then your stuff gets worse. Um, so then I just kind of got lost in all of that. And we started doing a lot more physical stuff. I was long tossing every day, doing a weighted ball program, doing more in the training room, doing more in the strength uh, strength and conditioning in the weight room. Um, so that was a ton of added stress in my arm. And then we went through like a three week period where we either scored 16 and won by 12 or we lost. And those are the only games I was pitching. 
So then my workload ramped up massively in like a two or three week stretch on top of the stuff that I was doing. And that's when I got hurt. It's because my arm just couldn't physically take the amount of work that I was doing. When when you got to the point of like, uh-oh, like this is this is a mechanical slash mental issue, who's the first guy that you turn to in that spot? Like, is there someone in house that you turn to? Is there someone outside of the organization, like from your past or your college days? Like who who's the guy? Um, it, I mean, it's kind of a collection of people, right? Like, so we have our mental strength coaches, like we have Ray's there. Um, you know, Dr. Ginsburg, I talked to Ray more than Ginsburg about it, honestly, um, uh, mechanically was kind of bushy walk. Um, even some of the guys down in the bullpen, like would just talk to me about like some of the mental stuff with it. Right. When I, this is before I went on the DL or IL. Right. Um, so it's, it's kind of a collection of people, but it really took the next step in like getting to a better place when I went to Fort Myers, honestly. It was almost like, and as bad as it to say, like stepping away from it for a little bit and not having to worry about performing. But it was more just like, let's get back to the basics. Let's work on some of the mechanical stuff. Let's see it. And then, I mean, the staff down at Fort Myers is incredible. I mean, working with all of those guys, we had like a 9 a.m. sharp appointment every single day where we were doing mechanical stuff, mound work, playing catch um talking with these guys we started focusing on in the weight room i would like i tested certain strength aspects that they wanted and if there was any sort of deficiency in any of it we built the program around all of it because i didn't have to worry about competing so we pushed extra hard then because i could be sore for a week um so there was just like this massive like group of people that helped from every side of it. And even like just talking with the trainer down there, like when I was working with Kevin, it was like him and I would talk about it or even sale was down there a little bit with me at that time. Like sale and I would talk about it. You know what I mean? So it just, it was this massive group of people that helped a ton. And I don't, there wasn't like one person that helped more than another. It was a, a big group effort. When you, when you come back, and you start putting up goose eggs. Was there a moment where you where it like clicked for you and you were like, okay, I'm back? Was it the first time you went out there and you and you threw up a goose egg and you're like, all right, that's all I needed to to prove to myself that I'm back? Or did you have to put together a string? Was there a guy that you faced that you feel like you overmatched? Uh like what what moment did you feel like, all right, like I'm back? Yeah, so it's uh, it's funny that you asked that because like in my mind, like now that I think about it, there was exactly there was one outing where I was like, "Okay, I got it," and it was New York at home. It was New York at home when I struck out Donaldson and Rizzo. Yeah, and I threw yeah, the, yeah, and yeah. I threw the fastball Banging behind Rizzo. Yeah, I was like, I was like, I got it. I was like, we're good now. And I don't know what number that was when I was coming back, but that was the first time after I'd come off the IL that I was like. We're good now. I was like, I got my stuff. There is. I, so I was digging on Twitter. It's August 12th. I remember because you walk off the mound, you drop that curveball right on Donaldson and you're banging your chest. It, yeah. All the likes on here, Matt Barnes is getting that confidence back. Like you see it. 
But that was the difference where you're seeing the velo, you're seeing you. It was like that energy and not that you didn't have it during that stretch, but like clearly when you're playing the mind games, you're trying to work through it. Like you lost that swagger a little. 100%. 100%. There was also, uh, do you remember in August against uh, Pittsburgh? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember talking to you after that game. Yeah, I was like, yeah. that was disgusting because you I don't even think like you probably were 80 percent curveballs in that in that outing. And it, why would you go to anything else like they couldn't touch it? Yeah, it was a yeah, it was a one run game and we had somebody up and then they it was like me and Brazier up maybe. And we didn't know who was going in and they finally were like, all right, Barnes, you got it. And that was like the first time they put me in in the safe situation again was that game in Pittsburgh. And I was like, all right, let's go. I think I punched out two guys on like two guys and six pitch, seven pitches and just had like a 10 pitch inning. And I was like, all right. Yeah. I was like, yeah. that was just absolute filth factory. Was that before or after New York? When Tyler would know better than me, he would. What, when was the New York outing? New York was like a week after you came back. Pittsburgh had to be after that because you had like the Baltimore appearance, I think the night before. And that was like another one. They were all kind of building. You're getting the save opportunities yep. again, but that was definitely afterward. Gotcha. Okay. So that, yeah, I mean, it was, it was definitely New York, but then Pittsburgh, like then it started happening like a little bit more and a little bit more. And then consistently it was, and I was like, okay, well, like it wasn't just a fluke. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, I, that's a, when when you I thought you were going to say the Pittsburgh one, because that's the one that I remember tweeting about being like that. <clears throat> that shit was nasty. But then, yeah, you bring up the the New York one. I remember the bat against Rizzo and I was like, Woo! <laughs> that was, it was tough. Um, we, we mentioned the Vasky trade, right? And uh, between last trade deadline to this off season uh there i think you were the fourth to last to go from the 18 team there's only three guys left sale devers and brazier like those are the three surviving members of the 18 team um obviously like you 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 bond with your teammates year to year every team is different and there's an opportunity to to make new friendships but there's no bond stronger than a, a championship roster and this past offseason, it's like you lose JD, you lose Bogey. Um, the the list goes on in terms of guys that aren't here. Evo. Yeah, Evo's gone, Poecki gone. Um, is it, I guess, like, is it an easier pill to swallow uh, getting traded after 12 seasons, knowing that like most of my guys are also gone too. Like I wouldn't be coming back to the same group of guys really, or is it still just like, does it suck either way? I mean, it still sucks either way, but honestly, I've never thought about it like that. Like, even if I was coming back, like it's a very different team now. Like there's not a lot of guys that I had played with a ton on that team or for long stretch of time, I should say. Um, so I don't know. That's a great question. I, this is the first time I thought about it like that. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's going to suck either way, honestly. And, and the biggest part of it is honestly just like the comfort level in Boston, right? A lot of it, a lot of it's just the routine of it, right? Like I have a spring training. I have a house in Fort Myers. I know where I stay in Boston. I know where I 
go to do this. I know when I walk in, I do this. When I hop on the training table, they just do the thing because they know like it's that whole, right? Or like if I have, if something's going on, like I can communicate that. If I need something, I can call Raquel or I can call Sam Kennedy. Like I just, I know everybody from the top down in a relationship way that like I can call them. And it's just like, if it's just that relationship is just there. And Mm -hmm. that just takes time to build, right? That's just the culmination of the 12 years, right? Yeah. So that's going to be the hardest part is just the adapting to a new location where you don't have a routine. It's going to be figuring that out. Where do you stay? What do you do? Um, You know, figuring out where to go in the ballpark, what the schedules look like when you're in spring training, like all these things that like after being with AC for, what is it? Five years now, like, I just know what the spring training schedules look like. So you just go in, bang, okay, we're there, right? It's just these little things that you don't think about that when you're transitioning to a new team, that it's all the same stuff. It's just done differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I you mean, I, that would freak me out. Like I'm such a routine freak. And I know that baseball players for the most part are routine freaks. Um, so yeah, that's a major change. I feel bad for Raquel. I mean, like she's she's losing all of her guys. Like she was devastated <laughs> over Xander. Like she the the homegrown guys, <clears throat> she has like a, a a strong affinity to support and like watch them grow as players and, and come up through the system. And then when they ultimately win a championship here, right. I know how extra rewarding it is for her to see guys like you succeed. Um so yeah, I, mean, now, I, I talked to her for 40 minutes that night. Yeah. Yeah. Like she, it's been a tough off season. <laughs> she, and she's I mean, the best. Cause like I said, I, yeah, like I remember talking to her at winter weekend in 2020 and we were talking about <clears throat> like before, before we went on the air, you know, we, you brought up comparing all the different world series. And, uh, I remember her, talking to me about the 2007 World Series team and how special that one was for her because of how many homegrown guys came up and made an impact and won a World Series with the 07 team. Uh, so right. it was kind of the same deal. On it's a, it's a different... It's a completely different roster, but relatively same idea with the 18 team because there were so many homegrown guys that had come up right. and made an impact to win that championship. Um, what do you think? Cause, cause you're, you're one of these dudes that you live right across the street. Like I was like, there's Fenway park right in the middle. I was on one side. You were, you were like on the Northern side. I was on like the Southern side. You were a dude that yeah. lived in the Fenway neighborhood. Uh, what do you think you're going to miss most about that area? Who, um, I know what, man. It's just, there's something about being in the Northeast. It's like when the first like nice stretch of weather comes and it's like 60 and sunny and you're just walking through the city and it's got that like crisp spring. It's just, it's so nice in the Northeast and it's just so Mm -hmm. perfect. And that, you know, I just, it's not like one place or one thing or one, you know, like, it's just that like difference of when the cold is gone and that perfect Northeast baseball weather comes in. Mm-hmm. It's just is the best. Yeah. No, Boston's the best. Like we, I, I, I think you're, you're going to like Miami a lot. Not that I need to sell you on it, 
but I think that you'll ultimately miss the seasons, especially as like a New England guy, like a like his. Well, I love know, the seasons. I, it's the yeah, best. Yeah, you need the seasons. Um, after you get the news from Heim, uh, you talk to Cora on the phone. Is there anyone else that reached out to you from the organization that you had a conversation with, or were those the two guys? Uh, I talked to Cora and Raquel. Is there is there anything because because obviously <clears throat> like we mentioned like you were blindsided by it I'm sure that there is some anger there was there anything how long has it been has it been like a week yet uh, just about yeah, right we'll say Thursday a little so over like eight days nine days something like that do you think that the anger has like subsided a little bit are you just like all right like that's that's the business of baseball like I, I got to do what I got to do or is there is there anything that uh, you kind of like stand by that happened in any of these conversations. I stand by everything that I said in the conversations. Um, I I try to approach the conversations in a like respectful, but tell you my mind type of way. Um, like listen, I, I understand at the end of the day that, that it's a business, right? I think somebody asked me that day, like. I'm not mad at the Red Sox and I don't hold any animosity towards the Red Sox because and I and, and I think I told them I was like with all due respect, like with all respect to the to the team and the people who are running it and AC and everybody now, like the Red Sox organization to me represents so much more than Heim and Cora. Because I played under Sherrington, Dabrowski, Farrell, Tory, four different pitching coaches, like it wasn't Renneke. just those guys, right? Ron was there for that for the twenty seas. Like, I played with three different bullpen coaches, four different pitching coaches, four different managers, three different GMs. Like, so like, I think it would be really short sighted and selfish of me to have any anger towards the organization when it's a decision made by a group of people in one like snippet of time, not something that had happened over 12 years. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like they drafted me, they gave me an extension, a world series title. Like we did so many good things as a group and as a team with the number of division titles playing in what if is it four different, the playoffs in four of my seven year, like there's just so much, and the relationships that you build with these people, um, that yeah, does it suck? And when I am I pissed off? Yep. Do I think that they made a mistake? Absolutely. But I understand the business side of it because I've been there and I've seen it happen to other guys. When I'm like, damn, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. But like, what are you gonna do? Like, at the end of the day, you have to understand. Like, yes, it's baseball, but it's still a ten, eleven, twelve billion dollar conglomerate of an industry that people make decisions for what they think is the best thing, right? Like, so like I, there's one thing I know about Haim, like I may not agree with all of his decisions or like all of his decisions, but the one thing I can tell you is I know that he has a plan. Like I know he has a plan. He's not just doing this because, right? I know that he has a plan and a direction and a way that he wants to conduct things. 
And sometimes you're just not in those plans. And like, what am I going to do? Am I going to be pissed off forever? No, like I'm going to move on. I'm going to go to Miami. I'm going to have fun there. And we're going to do our thing there. Like I'm, I've been around way too long to sit here and hold grudges. Now, like, are we going to be buddy, buddy and grab coffee? Probably not. But like, I'm not going to say anything bad about them. You know what I mean? Right. And I will say this. I know it's hard to kind of forecast out your future, but just think of it this way. <clears throat> you you have a house in Fort Myers, but you also have this house in Connecticut, which is home for you. So when your playing right. days are over, like you know the Red Sox are going to be calling you up to like you're 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 going to be a Red Sox forever, whatever jersey that you wear from this point forward for the rest of your career. Like when you hang it up, they're going to be calling you back like when they do like the 18 celebrations and like whatever else. Like you're going to be a guy where it's like, "Hey, uh we have a, a Red Sox alumni that won a championship that doesn't live in Texas or California or Arizona." Like, "Hey Matt, you want to do this appearance?" Like you're going to be doing that shit for forever. Right. So, uh it, yeah, it is one of those things where uh I mean, I I'm totally with you. Like I you, you look at the roster, we don't need to like name names or throw anyone under the bus, but I I would venture to guess that most fans, if they did a power rankings of, hey, we need a roster spot, who's got to go to free up this roster spot? I don't know that you're number one on many people's lists. <laughs> so like there has to be like it sucks that you're designated and that you're traded, but there has to be some sort of vindication uh, reading Twitter where Reds, even Red Sox fans are like, what the fuck was that? Like, what is going on? Like, there has to be some sort of good feeling on the way out, at least in that regard. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, right. I mean, I think everybody, like, at least I, I'm not, we're not going to start naming names or talking about it because I think oh. I've seen all of these guys be absolutely dominant, right? And I see all of their stuff and their shit. And like, I get it. You know what I mean? I get it. I'm like, damn, that was nasty. Like, I <laughs> see it. You know? Um, so, I, you know what it is? It's just, it is what it is, right? Like, what are you going to do? Like, you just say, all right, thanks. And I just kind of got out that night. I just, you know, may or may not have had a couple of drinks and going back to going to bed really late, playing video games. Like, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fire, fire off some texts. <laughs> it may or may not have made sense, but it's, you know what it is? It is. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what are you going to do? What are you well, going to do? Well, like, yeah, Han called me. Han called me. And after it happened, I was like, all right. Well, I was like 4.30. I was like, all right, well, I'm have a drink now. Yeah. So I poured myself a drink and that bottle finished. There wasn't much in it, just for clarity. And then I just sat there and played video games with my boys until like 2 o'clock in the morning. Like, yeah. that was my... That, that was my... And answering text messages and phone calls and all this other stuff. Yeah, you got you got to let it rip. You have to in that spot. Uh, yeah, you got to give yourself a night or two, and then, and then ironically, I was going to Vegas anyways, and I can't tell you the number of calls that I got. People are like, "Hey, bro, did you just say fuck this shit and just Vegas?" <laughs> that, that's what I. That's what I thought. Like I saw, I I saw uh, Chelsea's story, uh, <laughs> and you were in Vegas, and I was like, "I'm just gonna let him go." Like I, I was like, "I'm not reaching nah. out." <laughs> I was like, this no, dude. I mean, no, man. It, 
<laughs> it was a totally pre-planned trip and we were going whether anything happened or not we had a wedding out there yeah so i told him I mean, I was like, no, no, we mean, out. let's just say it wasn't planned you're well within your right to be like you know what fuck it vegas like let's go i'm out I know. as an as an edm guy that needs to blow oh. off steam where else in the world or at least the country where else in the country could you go as an edm guy who's a multi-millionaire who needs to just let it all out vegas my miami i don't know that that's more like an edm scene though like vegas is doing edm what? pool parties is, is miami doing that oh yeah oh yeah for real yeah I mean, you know story Oh yeah, live story. The whole I'm not sure I have my bachelor party was in Miami. Miami, my, in fact, Miami holds the largest ED, EDM festival in America. What is it? Every year, Ultra. Is that the one that you show me? Yeah, well, I've been there three times. Okay. All right. So then, so then you're you're probably uh, going to have to get into the mix while while you're down there in Miami. Um, what was Maybe. I going to ask about Vegas? Maybe. Oh, I had something else. No, I, I did not say. win. Of course not. No, no one. That's just not a thing in Vegas. <laughs> Vegas always gets the best of you. Uh, so that the call with Heim, you said obviously he didn't directly say that you got lucky, but if that was implied, what's your counter to that? Like, say, take Heim out of the equation. Say, say it's me, and I'm showing you all these like data points, and I'm like, Matt, I'm looking at it. Those twelve scoreless appearances. You actually got lucky out there. You, the guy that was on the mound, towing the slab, actually pitching to these hitters. What are you telling me to shut me up in that spot? And I want to just, Matt, to give you like, I know you probably understand what the conversation was, but we, we know what the argument is. I come from the analytical side. It was the strikeouts, right? The strikeouts weren't to the same level they were. Right. Let's call it 2021 Matt Barnes or even the four years prior. Yep. Was that where it was kind of directed? I mean... Part of it was strikeouts. Uh, there, there's like some metric with the ex woba and the woba and all of this stuff, and it was like contact percentage or like hard hit balls and like whatnot. Like my argument to that, I think that analytics absolutely has a place in the game, and I use it for certain things. But I think that sometimes we play the game on a spreadsheet way too much. Like, I just, like, if you take a guy, like, who came up before the analytics, right? Like, like John Lester, right? Kind of played in both eras. When John Lester was the Red Sox, the guy was absolute nails. Absolute nails, right? But, like, you wouldn't measure on a spreadsheet whether or not his two and a half that year was lucky. You were just like, hey, man, the guy got out. He had a two and a half. Perfect. Right? Like. They, I feel like we almost, and this is like a, like a, across the board for sport, right? For baseball, this isn't just like a Red Sox thing. We, I, I just, I feel like we're trying to predict what happens before it ever happens. It's almost like trying to get out of the way that something of something that's like not even there yet. You know what I mean? It's like if we can predict, like how smart can we be to predict that this guy is going to fall off before he actually does and get rid of him. You know what I mean? But like, what if that guy had a two, and I'm not talking about me just in general, like what if a guy had a, like a two and a quarter last year, right? And like, 
or like a two and a half or a three. Like, are you going to say that, like, at the end of the day, he got out and he had a good year. Does it, like, entirely matter how he did it? You know what I mean? That's how, that's how I feel about, like, FIP, where I will look at FIP in the first half or, like, stretches. to see, Like, if you take, like, a sample size, I'll look at FIP. But at the end of the year, like, if, if, if your FIP says... Uh, like four three nine, but you've thrown 180 innings and you've got a two seven three, then you've completed the season at a two seven three. With like a, that's two seven three, hundred percent. Like, yeah. are we going to look at Aaron Judge? And I have no idea this is true or not. Like, are you going to look at Aaron Judge's 62 home runs and be like, well, he only did that because he played in New York? Like, well, yeah. guess what? He did, and that's where he plays. <laughs> right. So he did it. <laughs> so he I did. I don't it. care if he hit. I don't care. If, <laughs> I don't care if 40 of those home runs went 325 feet into right field. Guess what? They're home runs. Right. And he hit 62 of them. So it doesn't matter like what should have been or what could have been. It's what was. Right. Right. And I think we get away from that a lot. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Especially in the larger samples. Like, I, 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 I like to look at like something like FIP in may to kind of like forecast out it's like is this legit or not like is he getting lucky or not but once you've just made it to the end of the year like michael walker perfect example dude is still yeah. a free agent and it's because you've got all Crazy. the nerds being like this oh he had a whole lucky season you can't fluke a whole season like either you can't like, you can't, I, I, you can't I, fluke a whole <laughs> right right so i don't know it's it's crazy to me that he's still out there maybe it's because you know, he wants three years and teams are offering him one or two. Like it is what it is, but I don't know. I, I don't want to get too deep into the, the analytics side of things. Um, it's, do you think like on your, on your, uh, revenge motivation scale, uh, does it motivate you even more when you see like details where it's like, uh, that they're, the Red Sox are paying part of your salary? Like like the whole like money ball thing, like when in the when they go to like David Justice in the cage and like they're paying you to play against them. Like, does that do anything for you or it's just like whatever? I'm in the fucking National League. It's not even uh it's not even a thought in my head. Doesn't really matter to me. Probably makes me a little bit more happy that they are paying it. <laughs> yeah. Kind of feels like they're wasting money now. I mean, as we, you, know I mean? you know, it's not the first time the Red Sox have just uh been like, hey, you know, Paul. So it probably makes me a little that makes me a little more happy. <laughs> I'll tell you what makes me happy. I got June twenty seventh circled on my calendar, though. Is that is that when you're coming yep. here? Yep. Oh, I think it's twenty seventh. Uh, we go to Boston it, for a three game set. Three game set. Damn, that's gonna be great because uh, I, I don't, it's it's so weird how like most of the guys like and and I've said this before about. Like when when you and I were growing up, the baseball stars like Nomar, Jeter, A Rod, Griffey, they were like movie stars. Like those guys yeah. were, they would walk into a room and it it's like how like Tom Cruise or like Brad Pitt would walk into a room. They just had that star power. And the Red Sox over the last call it, I don't know, five years won a championship in that window. They've had some pretty, really talented guys, but 
the stars of today are just so down to earth. And I feel like we're just, we're losing all those guys. Like all the players that were just like regular ass dudes that were also just good at what they did. All stars like yourself. Everyone's gone. Like it's just in in an instant. It was just poof. We have a completely different team. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's sad. It's sad. I I don't like that. There's so much turnover right now. Ogie, Moki, Benny. I mean, it's just three of them. JD. 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 Mm. Mm-hmm. I know. I know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Sad. I'll tell you what, Dave Dabrowski, Dave Dabrowski sold the entire team for a championship, but guess what? We got a fucking ring. That's true. Nobody counts AAA rings. That's true. That is true. Uh, take me inside the Red Sox clubhouse at the trade deadline last year. Like, what was what was the? Ooh, I, wasn't, were, I wasn't there. Were, oh, you weren't. I wasn't there. I was in Florida. Oh, so I know it. So I don't know. I oh yeah. All right. So I I remember talking to you that night though about like what the hell is going on. But I guess you weren't there then. No, I was, I didn't come, I didn't join the team. Was I there? When did I come back? The fourth? Actually, I might have yeah, been up there. Yeah, it was I the was fourth doing, I first doing, came back. Because I was doing rehab stints. I had like a week and a half or two weeks of rehab where I was with the team, but then I wasn't. I was like all over the place. I was in like, I spent a couple days out of Hartford, a couple days in Worcester, a couple days here. So like, honestly, I don't really remember. I feel like you would remember like kinda, if Vasky got traded well, re- well, if you were well, there to say okay, goodbye. So, okay, so I remember Vasky and Jackie because that... Yeah, you're right. Because we were in Houston. You're yes. right. So you were we there. Were in Houston. And I got active. Yeah. Now, well, I had to work through it a little bit. There's a lot going on. I had to work... I apologize. Matt. I had to work... I had to work through it a little bit. <laughs> you know, the only so you I get the worst your memory... I guess you can't take me inside the clubhouse because you don't even remember being there. Vasky leaving was tough, especially going across the way to Houston. But ultimately, super pumped Mm -hmm. for him because he won a World Series. So, like, that's sick. Um, And then Jackie getting DFA'd and then going to Toronto was, was tough. When that one happened, I was like, everybody's gone. I was like, I'm the only one left. Like these are the last guys that like I really came up with. Yeah, and I was like, we're we're gone, you know. Yeah, but yeah, it, it sucked. It sucked. Like it just it sucked. Like those ones are hard. Yeah, it sucks. I mean, it sucks as it sucks as a fan. I'm sure it sucks even more uh, having these long-standing relationships with guys. Um, is there anyone on the Marlins that you've played with at any level? Not a single person. Not a single person. You're you're gonna. It's first day of school. You just got transferred to a new school. You don't know what the dress code is. Like, has anyone reached out? Yeah. So I've talked to Kim, Mel, Skip, the clubby, the media guy, the public relations guy. So I've the traveling secretary. It's like I've talked to a lot of the people already. Um, and kind of just ran through a bunch of this stuff. 
you know, hey, welcome, glad to have you, looking forward to it. Um, you know, the pitching side of it was like, you know, we'll when we get down there next week, we'll sit down, we'll run through it, what you need, what you like, we'll kind of put together a game plan on what you need to do, and then go from there. We interrupt this interview with 2018 World Series champion Matt Barnes to bring you a word from our sponsor. Trades, free agency, roster cuts, baseball season feels so far away, but excitement is already building. Blue Moon gives you a dose of ballpark nostalgia without even being at the park. In fact, Blue Moon was born in a ballpark at the Sandlot Brewery in Denver, Colorado. Its bold flavor, bright explosion of color, and iconic orange slice ritual guarantee a -a one-of-a-kind beer experience year-round. Tyler, what do you got planned for the night? Are you going to be having any Blue Moons? Uh, yeah, I'll probably have a couple Blue Moons while I watch the Titanic and look at 2007 World Series highlights. Yeah, I'm sure you will, Tyler. I'm sure you will. From its refreshing flavor with Valencia orange peel for a subtle sweetness and hints of coriander, Blue Moon Belgian-style wheat ale is a -a one-of-a-kind beer that's made brighter. It's carefully crafted and full-flavored with refreshing notes and a smooth, creamy finish. Why strike out with the same old beer when you get something one-of-a-kind? Best served with a signature orange garnish to showcase its beautiful hazy color. A beer this good only comes around once in a Blue Moon, but you can enjoy it all off-season long. Make winter weather feel like spring training. Blue Moon Belgian-style wheat ale is one-of-a-kind every time. Get Blue Moon delivered by visiting get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared to see your delivery options. That's get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared. Blue Moon, made brighter. Celebrate responsibly. Blue Moon Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, Ale. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. What, um, since this is the uh, name redacted podcast, uh, do you have any memories coming up through the system with uh, Patrick James Light? Do you, do you have any baseball memories of him? Because he, I don't know if you saw, he's no longer baseball pad, he's business pad, he's left his baseball life behind him. Uh, I saw that, he, he looks good out in a suit. At least seven years ago, he looks great in a suit, he looks outstanding in a suit, with the slick bag? um, but for. Yeah, if, but for a lot of the people that listen to this podcast, they only know him as Podcast Pat and Business Pat. No one really knows Baseball Pat. Like, do you have any memories of Baseball Pat? <laughs> That's because his career was three months. <laughs> That's so mean. That's so That's mean. So I mean. love Pat. Pat's one of my boys. Um, Great guy. God, I don't know. Um <laughs> I remember watching him come up and he got to the big leagues and we're facing the angels and this kid's throwing a hundred with a nasty splitter. And it's just, it's not going well for him that day. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm like, how is he getting hit? I'm like, I don't understand how a guy with that stuff is getting hit like that. Mm -hmm. And that was like, that was probably my, and like I said, Pat and I are boys because he's, you know, Jersey guy and, we got along great and I still talk to him, but like, I just didn't, it didn't make sense to me. And I think he came in, I think he came in after like Purcello one day, maybe. And we were already down by like 10 and he just had to absolutely wear it. And it just, 
didn't go well. That didn't go well. Which he is did strike out Mike Trout, have... though. He did. He did. He did strike out Mike Trout. And if you know, he'll tell you. And I'm afraid to let you know. <laughs> That's like, I would say close to 83% of his TikTok content is him talking about striking out Mike Trout. But now it's all business. It's all business. So if you need any uh, business assistance moving forward, you can you can hit up Pat Light for all your business uh, needs. Is that a subtle plug? Yeah, I mean he's. Uh, I'm just trying to help him out. You know, he he helped us out by showing up to like I don't know 12 percent of the podcasts this year. Uh, he's he's retired from podcasting and he's moving on to business. And you know, business Pat is no podcasting is no at all. Uh, I think he's doing. It's funny because he literally he he probably attended a third of the podcast this year, and then it may, that might be a little too heavy. Uh, but he texted me and said, "Jared, I need to take a step back, and uh, like I'm only going to show up when I can now." And I was like, "Pat, I don't know how that's any different from how you've been operating for the last two <laughs> years, but like I appreciate it, and best of luck being business, Pat." So he uh, he's taking on a new role. Live. The big time business guys all have podcasts. So like I know. Well, right? he has like a I think it's called Sorry We're Closed is his podcast. Uh but it, he still he, does that? He, I, I guess so. <laughs> I guess that's oh. what he does, but I thought he yeah. just I thought he just joined you guys. Yeah, he, <laughs> I know he, he did. Still. He did. I mean, he uh, you know, whenever he wants to to grace us with his presence, we were the door is always open. Um, and, and the same obviously goes for you, even though you're going to Miami, it's sad day, sad day. I'm still, I'm still going to watch though. You know, I got my nine TVs, so I'm still going to be watching every single right. appearance. I know. And now you just have an excuse to come, to come South. Yeah. I'll tell you what, though, I've had a lot of people tell me, they're like, you know what, it's going to be kind of nice to not have to wear like three pairs of socks, long johns, jeans, four layers, a hat, three sets of gloves and still be cold on opening day. Mm-hmm. It's true. They're just going to have to wait a week to do it when we come to New York, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, but I'm actually jealous. Miami's going to be great. I know. I, I'm, uh, listen, man, Miami's fun. Yeah. That team's got a lot of, that team's got a lot of fun guys. You get the cover of MLB The Show on your team now. We do. The batting mm-hmm. champ. Mm-hmm. That's right? true. Yep. Failed, that failed batting well. champ. Yep. Who yep. uh, Edward Cabrera? This, that this, this, how about the Cy Young winner? Yep, Sandy. Sandy. Yeah, I mean filth. Dis- how disgusting! I'm gonna have to Sandy. We gotta, how do you do that? How do you do 106 <laughs> with sink? Yeah, please. Yeah, that's gonna be great. Please tell me he's so yeah. nasty. Yeah. And he throws Dude, Edward Cabrera is the unsung hero of that pitching staff. He's he's a filth factory. No one talks about him. True. Pick that you, dude's th- brain. I'm gonna pick everybody's brain. How do yeah, how do you do it? Uh, I tell yeah, people all the time, team. man. I'm so happy I'm in because if I was trying to come up right now, if you, unless you throw a hundred mile an hour sinker, good luck. Yeah, from the left side. Right. Yeah. You need absolutely it, like galaxy disgusting shit, which I mean, right. Matty backpacks at his best is throwing 96, 98 and he's got two different curveballs. True. Look at that change now too. You see that thing? There you I go. started featuring that at the end of the season. Yeah, I did see that. 
I remember I pointed that out when I saw it for the first time. I, I did nasty. catch that. Yeah. Yeah. Nasty. yeah. They don't want they don't want to see that in oh. South Beach. <laughs> Make me a starter. Why not? I got a three pitch guy now. That's that's how you came up. Just pick it back up. Tyler, did you have anything before before we let Matt go back to his life? Yeah, I, I had two or three things. First off, I, I have a Matt Barnes story. Matt Barnes, Matt, there's no way you remember this. this is the most littlest thing in the entire world. But amongst okay. me and my friend group, it's a very big deal. Um, now, I was like a prospect nerd growing up. I'm one of the analytical, like, you know, I was always following Sox prospects and whatever over the years. So in 2015, uh, I got tickets to a game. You know, my cousin had bought them. I went with a couple of my friends. Um, mm -hmm. I was sitting, you know, right behind the Red Sox bullpen. Call it 10, 15 minutes before the game. We're all sitting there and, you know, we're trying to get people's attentions like idiots. You know, we were teenagers and nobody gave us like an even ounce of a second or a look. But for some reason, I hit the finger guns with you. We made eye contact and I don't know why, but you flipped them right back at me. And it was the smallest, weirdest thing. But like over the years, you always heard about how good you were with fans and how you took the time and all this different stuff. And I don't know. It feels like one of those cool childhood stories like we always talk about. But Sick. I appreciated that as a dumb teenager trying to get attention at the time. Just <laughs> yeah, a little back and forth. Yeah. Um, nice. But question wise, I think when you were having your Miami press conference and everything, you kind of spoke a little bit about, you know, the beginning of August 2021, where that was there was the Toronto doubleheader and things got out of whack. And I think before that, there was always the narrative that you got kind of run down as the years went along, uh, you know, especially later on. Did you feel like what ended up happening, you know, in 2022 when you came back and really even the end of 2021, it was like the repeat, like the repeated breakdown of them just they ran you into the ground some of those years where you were the go-to guy, fireman again and again and again. Did you feel like that was the result of all that? Um, so I think, I think maybe part of it, honestly, but it wasn't like they didn't, I didn't throw that much solely because like, like it wasn't like, Hey, I can't go today. And they were like, you're going anyways. You know what I mean? Like in the, in the 20 that, so I, I kind of credit that stretch where we were in Toronto and then come back home against Tampa in 21. It's kind of like when it started, right? Um, now there's a very fine line of going out there and throwing a lot and being competitive and being aggressive. Like as athletes and pitchers, like we're never going to say no, right? And the hardest part for me was I was in a situation where I was like, I'm the guy at the back. Like when everybody else can't go, I have to be able to go. Right. So I took that upon myself. Number two, I was like, well, I also just got the extension. So like if everybody else is banged up and, and kind of doesn't feel great, like I can afford to go out there and pitch when I don't feel my best because God forbid the worst case scenario happens. Like I'm okay. Like I need to protect these kids. It's kind of like how I started looking at it. Um, and then, you know, we got to a point where I threw the three games in 24 hours against the middle of arguably the best lineup in the world in one run games. And when like, there's a big difference between doing that versus 
a team that doesn't have that good of a lineup. And it's like the bottom half in a three run game. Like those games aren't stressful. The games against Toronto, when it's tied in the ninth or it's a one run game in the ninth and you've got Springer, Bichette and Vlad coming up, like there is no room for error. Like there is not. Because if you make one mistake, it's a home run. So like that adds to the stress level of the outings, right? And then when you get tired, you start trying to create what you typically have. It ends up being worse. Then you create bad habits. Then bad habits take a minute or two to like get out of it, right? So, um, listen, I, I always tried to pride myself on being able to take the ball as many games as possible, being available as many games as possible. Um, are there probably times in my career where somebody could have said, you know what, you've thrown a lot, you probably shouldn't pitch today? And I did. Yes. But like every reliever could have, every reliever, reliever could say that, right? Like if, if you've been around long enough, you've thrown when you probably shouldn't have been throwing. Like that's just the nature of the business. Um, so uh, I, I think it was kind of a combination of a lot of stuff, honestly. Part, part of it's probably so, on, on them and part of it's on me. So when you got to the end of 2021 and, you know, obviously there was a situation with the postseason roster and you getting left off at the time, did you feel like that was kind of not rock bottom, but the lowest point for you coming off an extension? And, you know, let's be real. For so many people who wanted to push the narrative that you weren't ever going to be a closer, there wasn't a more dominant reliever in the first half of that season. Did you feel like by the time the playoffs and everything had come around, like that was your lowest point in a Red Sox uniform? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. I'd be curious to know, like, how many all-star closers don't make a postseason roster that year, three months later. It's probably not many. Probably doesn't happen very often. Did you... Right? Yeah. D- did you feel at the time like you had started to piece it together? Because I think where a lot of people sat there in question was like, all right, the offseason came. We're going into 2022. Everything should kind of be reset. You know, some of the past Matt Barnes years, like it wasn't great towards the end because you were kind of running on fumes, but it come right back. Or did you feel like at that point you were just pushing and hoping to be part of it? And you kind of it was maybe the start of the road or the middle of the road to what was going to happen in 2022. Yeah. So it, it was kind of the end. Like I, I was like, even when we were playing in that postseason, like I was throwing, like I kept throwing. Cause I know I can I, right, I got left off Tampa, then got put back on when G rich got hurt and then got left off in Houston again. But like, I kept throwing bullpens at them and I felt really good going into the off season. Like stuff was really good. Um, so coming in, I had like, I had no reason to worry about coming in the next year or like, I was like perfect, fresh start. Ironically, and this is going to be some like backwards ass shit, but ironically, I came into the 2022 season and the best shape I've ever been in my life. I was like, and ironically, that hurt me because so I started boxing twice a week for 10 weeks to get in great shape, right? From a core, shoulder, cardio perspective. But because of that, I'm not a guy who like eats just to maintain weight. I just like when I'm hungry, I eat. Like that's just, I don't like force feed myself to maintain. But because of the boxing, I lost weight and I came into camp at like 203. And I'm typically like 213. So I was like 10 pounds lighter 
Now, even though I was in the best shape of my life, I was the strongest I had been in a long time. I had like the lowest body fat, like the best cardio shape, all of those things. I didn't have like, it wasn't like baseball shape, if that makes sense. Like I didn't have my weight and power behind my body to be in a position where I was effective on the mound. And like, I just, I didn't, like, I wasn't trying to do that. I was trying to go like above and beyond and thought like, all right, if I'm a lean, strong, like 205, we'll be good. And if you, and then when I got hurt, that obviously didn't work because I was throwing 90, whatever. And then when I got hurt, or even like going into that, like, what was that? April, May, like the end of May, I was like, all right, you know what? Whatever. I said, I'm going to go back to eating French fries and burgers because that's that works. And then when I came back off the IL, I was like 214, 215, and I was 96 again. And I don't know if those are directly correlated, but I got to like, there's got to be something. That was the first year I've ever come in at like 202, 203. So it just kind of sucked. So you like, think I, that kind of played a. Oh, without a yeah, doubt. Yeah, th- that was kind of the. Yeah, with the mechanics and everything all going in different directions, that was, yeah. you know, not the start of it, but kind of one of the many factors, like you said, mentally at the time that played in. Yeah, right. I mean, CC talked about it. Like, CC tried to lose weight one year to pitch and just couldn't. Right? Like, your body, like, I've been pitching at this weight for nine years, 10 years. Like, you just get so comfortable in that weight that your body works well in that. Like, I felt like I didn't have anything behind my baseball when I was throwing it until later on and i felt like i was bigger even though i wasn't probably wasn't as strong but i just had more mass i don't know it was it was no it it makes yeah it it makes sense i think the last question i got for you and just kind of going back to like jared said earlier like people i don't think realize the different kind of eras of red Sox, uh just relievers in general as you were with like you got the end of koji you got Kimbrel here and then your turn eventually moving into that spot and you coming from starting all year when you first got called up into that reliever role and really kind of sticking in that role moving forward. Who was the one who helped you the most during that transition to like switch mindsets like that? Because like a lot of guys talk about it, it's like some people just can't switch to being a reliever like it doesn't work for their brain. Yeah. So the guy who initially helped me was Craig Breslow. He was the one who kind of like helped me build a routine as a reliever, helped me figure out the do's and the don'ts and how you pitch out of the bullpen. Um, so he was kind of like the first guy that like I really talked to about how do I like how do I do this thing down here? Like I have no idea. I've never never been a reliever in my life. Um, but from a taking it to the next level from like performance aspect uh, was probably Kimbrel. When Kimbrel got there, I remember him and I played catch. It was my first. It was sixteen, so it was my first opening day. It was our, was Kimbrel's first year, and him and I started playing catch in Montreal when we went there for um, for the exhibition games to start the year, right? And I remember watching the way that he played catch, and I had to take a step back, and I was like, "God!" And I said to myself, "I didn't say it. I just said in my head, I'm like, he's the best closer in the game." Like, there's not even a question that Craig Kimbrell is the best closer in baseball right now. Best reliever in baseball, right? And the attention to detail that he had in his game of catch was so mind-blowing. I was like, if that's how he does it, 
why don't I do that? I'm like, I'm out here just, here you go, over the top this way, just we're out here doing whatever. And I'm like, I better clean my shit up. If he's the best in the game, that's how he does it. Well, I got to do better than that because he's better than I am. And then from there, it kind of, he was the whole reason why I switched to a different grip in the curveball because he's throwing 106 mile hour curveballs. And I'm like, I need that because I have to have that pitch. So I switched my grip and tried to just throw it as hard as I could like he did. And it went from 78 to 83. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. (laughs) And then eventually climbed, right? Like, but he was the one that always like, and even there's like drills that I'll do today. If like my breaking ball doesn't work, like there's a drill that he did that I still use today. And it's super awkward, but it just, it works. So like, I just, I, I, mean, I could go on and on about him, but like he was the guy that I think I looked at and I was like, how do I get like that? Because Craig uh, Breslow was a little harder because he was a lefty, right? Like I couldn't, and we were different pitchers. But Kimball, I was like, I can try to get like kind of like that. No, I don't throw from like four and a half feet rise balls, but mm. he was a guy. Yeah, and I think the it's interesting to hear you talk about that and kind of the development of the curveball and taking it to the next level. Um, now, I think the last narrative and just something that's gone around on Twitter over the last couple of years is we've talked about, you know, some people had the theory that, you know, it was workload. You talk about workload, mechanics, mental stuff. Um, some people like to align what happened in 2021 with the sticky stuff. And when yep. that stuff all went out the window, do you factor that into you just learning to pitch a different way? We know Garrett Richards said he had to kind of figure it out. Or do you think that was just- <laughs> way to drop mid question, Tyler? <laughs> Classic Milliken. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, there he goes. He's gone. <clears throat> That's fine. That's, hello, That's hello. A good question. There hello, you go. Hello. Sorry. There you go. Classic <laughs> timing. Uh, I don't know where you guys lost me, but yeah, yeah we got the gist of it. The sticky stuff, and a lot of people trying to factor that in as part of the equation. Was it, or was it just, you know, something a variable that didn't take part? So I, I can tell you, because we're like three years out now and nobody really cares anymore. To, to, to set the record straight, I never once in my life, because I see people talk about spider attack and all this other like gorilla, whatever, like never once in my life that I ever use spider attack. I touched it once and I was like, this is, I, how does anybody pitch with this? Okay. I was a strictly sunscreen and rosin guy. Never used anything else in my career. Two legal substances, by the way. Um, and you would probably be hard pressed to find a lot of people who didn't, but it was strictly sunscreen and rosin. My biggest thing is I didn't have an issue adjusting away from it or the fact that they started regulating that rule. My biggest problem is that they did it in the middle of the season. Like guys have been using stuff forever. And never had to worry about it because the league didn't care. They didn't do anything about it, right? Like, just didn't matter. Batters didn't care, no, whatever. If the league had been like, hey, after the season, we're implementing this. You guys now have five months to figure it out. Or, hey, we're going to do it at the start of, like, whatever. But for them to do it in the middle of the season, it absolutely was an adjustment to figure out how to pitch without a little something, without a doubt. 
Um, but to say that everything happened because I didn't have it, like I, I would like, I, I would argue when, when did they ban it? Like the middle of the beginning of July, wasn't it like July yeah. 1st that they did it? Right. Something like that. Didn't I have like, I think I had like a two in July or like something like it, the next month after not using it. Like I still pitched well, but it, it wasn't like I didn't, I didn't really suck until after the all-star break. You know what I mean? Like, so was there an adjustment without a doubt? And you won't find a single pitcher who tells you, I mean, class now has come on the record. And then like, like, how do you just do it in the middle of the season or Richards or like, there's a number of pitchers have been like, just do it at the end of the year. Give us time to figure out how to deal with this. It's a major development. And I remember the first game I, I used it or didn't use it. We had a three run game in Atlanta when I came in for the save. And I was like, well, they're going to ban it in like four days. I was like, at least I got a three run lead today. Seems like as good a time as any to figure it out. At least I got a little wiggle room. Um, but no, I, but no, I mean, is it, is it different? The bet, the best way that I can describe to people, the difference between the two, like when you're using it, if I, so without it, if I throw a good fastball or a good breaking ball, they're going to be the same. Like they're both really good, right? Having a little bit of tack allows you just to get away with it. So like if I'm a little out of sync and I throw a bad curveball, it's just not as bad as without it. That makes sense? Yeah. 100%. Because like I, if I'm, right, like if, if I'm on time and I throw, like I wasn't, obviously I didn't use anything last year. And down the stretch, I threw some bastard curveballs or some really good fastballs. Like when you're on time and you're good, your stuff's still going to be good. Like you're still a big league pitcher. You know what I mean? Like your shit doesn't, you don't have great shit because you had a little bit of tack. Is it enhanced a little bit? Sure. Does it allow you to make like our mistakes not as big? Sure. But your stuff is still good. Like you still know how to pitch the guys. Yeah. Well, like you kind of said earlier, it all goes back to the foundation of the mechanics being, you know, when you're out of whack and when things aren't working, it's not the sticky stuff narrative. It may not be that. It's just, is the body functioning the way it needs to for you to be, you know, pitching the way you were Correct. in the first half of 2021? Cool. Correct. Yeah, that's it. That's it for me. Yeah, I was, I was going to hit on that, but I didn't know where I was going to place it because I knew that I, I don't know that you've ever really had the opportunity to address it because I knew, uh, you know, people, people that listen to the podcast with me in Dallas, uh, he talks about that all the time. How about about how he used to use like the sticky stuff at the bottom of a bong? Like that's what he's like the whole like sticky stuff. Like I feel like um, it, everybody did everybody yeah, forever, something. forever, like forever, like forever. bullfrog, bullfrog, and rosin has been a thing forever. And then it wasn't a thing like the whole sticky stuff thing. It, it didn't become a big issue until you have the guys using spider tech, which like talking to hitters. Uh, the the difference between a guy that's using bullfrog and rosin and a guy that's using spider tack is insane. Where like if you're using spider tack and a guy, they're basically throwing like rise balls. Like yes. so, say you're in the batter's box, and like someone's throwing a fastball with spider tack. Your your eye is just because of gravity. Your eye is used to seeing the fastball come in on this like downward plane, so that when you swing, you're used to your barrel meeting the fastball at a certain point. 
Right. But with spider tack, it just stays on the same upward plane. Like you're actually throwing like rise ball heaters. And that's why everyone's swinging underneath them because they just, they sound different coming in, coming in. They right. look different coming in. It was like, that was, and that, that was the whole thing that I was like saying. And, and that, that summer of 21 was, it's just wild to ban all sticky substances when it should really just be, but how do you go out there and test for it in the middle of a game? You know what I mean? I, it's, like the difference between the two. Sun, so it was a whole sun, sunscreen, sunscreen and rosin and, and spider tack are very different. They're very different. different. Like even yeah. just like you can tell, like you don't have like, nor you spider tack, you have like a little dab that you, I guess you would put on your glove, right? Like anytime anybody who's using sunscreen and rosin never did like this with their glove. Like you don't do that. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Anytime you saw somebody like this, like that's a sunscreen and rosin. Yeah. Which I think that like they've loosened it as they should. I mean, it's not a big deal as long as you don't have dudes yeah. like out there. Well, well, no, I, 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 and listen for the record, I, I totally agree. Like, I don't think spider tack or whatever the other one was like it, that Pelican grip. I think that's what it was. Like those shouldn't be in the game. I don't think those should be in the game. Sunscreen and rosin is difficult. Like a lot of the hitters don't care. And the hard part is like, those are both two legal accepted substances in the game. Right. And you find yourself in a hard position. Like, for example, like what if we're playing like we're in Miami this year. It's a nice day. It's 85, 90 out and the roof's open and we're playing a day game. Can I like, I'm not going to put sunscreen on my arms for protection against the sun in South Florida out of fear that like, if I accidentally grab, like when I grab the rosin, like I have now accidentally mixed them together. Right. Now you're ejected and everyone's like, ah, look at them. Right. So I just won't put sunscreen on and risk the consequences. I feel like that they don't give a shit now. Like you, you could get away with it now. Like they, like guys have obviously gone back to using the sunscreen and rosin. I think the the whole spider tech thing. No one wants to get caught with that at this point. But whatever, people are using a little sticky shit. It is what it is. Um, I want to end on this note. Uh, your favorite memory that you'll take with you forever uh, from your time in Boston that was not the final out of the 2018 world series. Um, just one moment that, that you'll kind of always take with you. Hmm. Um, that's a good question. One moment. Um, man, there were so many. Like maybe it was, was something like private, something that if we were watching on TV, we didn't know that it happened. Like say that there was like a conversation, like someone hugged you in the dog pile during the World Series. And like there was like a moment between you and someone else that they said something like something like that, something that we wouldn't know unless you told us. I don't know. I, I I don't know, there, man. There's so many. I don't know that I have one. I I don't know that I have one, honestly. Like some of the cool, like, I can just say, like some of the coolest shit that I've ever been, like that I'll never forget, is like 
being on the field for Ortiz's 500th home run. Like that's one of the coolest things. Like just getting to play with that guy and just like being one of the most humble down to earth celebrities you'll ever meet in your life. We're like to this day, like if we're walking on the street, he's like, what's going on, man? How you like, um, being there for Jeter's last game growing or last game ever growing up a Yankee fan. Like that was super cool just to share the field with him for a little bit. Um, I don't know, man, playing with all the guys that I came up with. Um, yeah, I was just, man, there's a lot. There's a lot. I don't know. There's, there's probably too many to really pick one. <laughs> you'll have to, you'll have to write a memoir someday. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. You gotta be, you gotta be careful writing those things. Yeah, you really do. I've I've thought about it a bunch, and I was like, too many people will get in trouble if I did one of these. So I'm I'm good. Yeah, I've I've thought about. It. I, tell you, I can tell you, the the worst the worst thing I've ever had in Boston was uh, a handful of death threats. Was the worst. I remember that. that. I remember you telling me about that. Yeah, but the FBI got involved, and now he's in jail. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So that I that was probably that. the worst. Ironically, we <laughs> won the game. So like, what's the big deal? I mean, you probably, you probably, uh, you cost them something. Maybe it was a game that Devers hit the Apple Homer off of Chapman, and it was like his coming out party. It was summer of 2017. I was there. I was at that game. Yeah. After that like game, that's when I got all of them. Uh, bad, but I guess yeah. it comes to the territory. I guess. <laughs> Well, I I hope that the fans treat you amazing in Miami. Uh, I know we'll obviously be uh, keeping in touch on a regular basis. I'm uh, I'm sad it's over, but I'm excited to uh, see what the next chapter looks like for you. And I I definitely will be visiting in Miami. Like that's not like an invite that you can just throw out there and expect me not to accept. So I'll I'll definitely be down there. I wouldn't have thrown it out if I didn't want you to accept it. <laughs> Uh, this is this is your second appearance. I forgot we we did an interview in the dugout in 2019. Yeah, it's been, it's been a, a long time in between. Yeah, well, we're gonna have to yeah, we're gonna have to do a follow up. I'll I'll come down to no Miami. Me leaving. That's true. That's true. Well, no I mean, either. put it is this way. It Sometimes put, you don't put it this you way. Gone. It, I I had you on in 19. We sucked in 20. We sucked last year. I don't like asking guys to come on when the team sucks. Like I'm not going to, I don't go in the, you know this about me. I don't go in the clubhouse. I don't go in the press box. I go to BP and I mind my fucking business. I sit in the dugout. If people want to come up and talk to me, great. I don't go up and bombard anyone. And I don't think we asked a single player to come on the podcast last year. Not one. So it's not like we picked other guys and not you. I didn't ask anyone because I was like, I can gauge the temperature in the room here. That's fair. That's fair. I, I can read the room, Matt. You are. You're very good at that. Yeah. That's because yeah, like I yeah. am the room. If it's if so, the Red Sox so suck, flex. I'm in a well, I mean, if if the Red Sox suck and uh everyone's pissed off, that means I'm pissed off too. So if I'm pissed off, I know that the players are even more pissed off. That's true. 
Okay, we're ending with because. Okay. You got you guys got to rank rank your rank your four. <sighs> okay. You got to uh, rank the four. Let's like from from like a historical perspective, or from like a personal your perspective. F- personal favorites. Personal favorites. In order. So. Tyler's an asshole and he's going to put 07 first. So I'm he's right. not going to get an asshole. You're an asshole. And I'm not going to let him go first in this exercise. Uh, 1A is 04. 1B is 18. That's cheating. You can't it's a, do it's that. It's a 1, 2, 3, 4, Jared. Nope. nope. Yes. You don't make no, the no, rules. No. You don't make I the rules. I literally, yes, I do. This is my show. It Matt says just right, told right, us there, what the format right there at the top of the screen, the. Jared Carabas podcast. Therefore, uh, you're in my jurisdication. 1A is 04. Sponsored, sponsored by DraftKings. That's true. <laughs> uh, so are they the boss or are you the boss? Uh, I would say they probably call more shots than I do. Yeah, everyone's yeah, we got have, a boss. Yeah we, yeah, we all have a boss. Yeah. Um, I, It sucks because like 13 was also like I was at that game. I was at the the clincher in 13. Uh, I mean, no matter what, 07 is dead last. 07 is dead last. But like for every championship, they've all had super special personal connections to me because um, even 07, 07, if they don't win, like 07 was the year I started my Red Sox blog in 06. And because they won in 07, that's why my shit popped off for the first time. And then 13, I was like doing TV for the first time because the Red Sox were in the World Series and then getting to go there to be at that game. And then 18, like the fucking parade. I don't I, like, you know, sorry, Steve, but like that was sorry about it. And then 04, if they don't win in 04, they probably don't win the next three. So fuck, it's hard. Answer coming. But- it's gonna. I'm, I'm thinking out loud because it it's it's something that I think about here and there, but to actually put it together a definitive list, I'm gonna go 04, 04, 18, 13, 07. Okay. On the uh, record. On the record. Yes. Uh, 07 for me because that that You're was my big asshole. You're I, I'm not asshole. an asshole. I, I'm speak. Would you rather me not be who I am? Would you rather so me be I somebody else? Actually, I've asked players from the 07 team, like. No, that we're on the 04 team. Do you think the 07 Red Sox win the World Series if the 04 Red Sox don't? And they're like, nope. I- I'm talking about reality here. Uh, okay. 07, I was a child. I was nine years old. So that one means child. the most to me. Fine enough. Sure, Jared. Uh, 2013 would be my number two. That was the year I went to the most Red Sox games I ever went to in my whole life. Boston Marathon, everything. I was in high school. Um, a lot of special memories with that parade as a young uh, teenager. 2018 was perfect. Everything not stressful, like you said, Matt, like you knew early in that year how special that team was. And by far, in terms of just enjoyment and not fighting on Twitter and getting upset, by far the smoothest ride. Uh, and then 2004 is last because I have I've learned I've done my history. You put it last I, in terms of personal meeting. I can't put that much emphasis on something I didn't experience. You're a jackass. I, I'm real. Yeah, I mean, that that. But that's fair. How old no, are you in 04? I was, I was, how old were you? You were what? Me? Yep. I was a sophomore in high school. I was six. What, what were you doing when you were six years old? Watching the Red Sox. 
I told I didn't have my first actual thought or realized I was alive until I was eight or nine. Uh, so when I was six, that would have been 95. And I remember like Mo Vaughn, like fucking cranking homers, winning the MVP. The Red Sox won the division and he rode around Fenway Park on a horse. Just be better. Just be better. If I walked up to six-year-old Jared and I asked him to tell me that, he would not be able to tell me that. You can tell me that now because you've been sitting here studying it. If you if you went up to six-year-old Jared and you said, hey, who's the best player on the Red Sox? I would be like, Mo fucking Vaughn. And I would have said it just like that. Six-year-old? Six like, that's when you barely start talking. You're just learning language then. Yeah. Well, my first word was fucking no, uh, Mo Vaughn. A lot of people will relate with me on this. I have a feeling. Yeah. I don't, I don't think so. I think I think people are gonna absolutely discredit you for putting O four last. Like you just lost a lot of credibility here. Do you Jake? have to do this in front of Matt? Really? Yeah, I do. I do actually. Um, I'm the same age as Tyler, and that list is outrageous. So I just want to get that out there. <laughs> um, but 20, 2018 is my number one because I was living in Boston, so that was sick. Um. 2004 is number two just because of the historical significance. Um, then I would go 13 and 07 last because no one cares about that one. <laughs> now we're just getting disrespectful. No one. No one. And I know that it, it kills him inside. I, I interviewed Mike Timlin in Colorado who was on the 07 team who has won four World Series himself. And I asked him to rank his personal four World Series titles that he's been on, and he put 07 last. He was on the fucking team. Oh, all I'm saying is if I walked up to Dustin Pedroia right now and I put my hand around him and I was like, hey, Dustin, do you remember when you were a rookie? You came into the league and you were the face of that postseason run and what you did to Jeff Francis and how we talked Pedroia about that. Pedroia would put... Oh, seven last. No, he would be like, oh, <laughs> he would go he'd be like, oh, four. That's the year that they drafted me. Uh, no, no, 13 no. because of what happened with the bombing. And he, he was in the dugout in 18. People forget he didn't play, but he was he was in the dugout that whole ride. He'd be like, that was a lot of fun to not have to like have the pressure of anything. And then in 07, like, whatever. All I'm I saying is, I, I, uh, <laughs> Dustin I would have it as one or two. Historical significance. Like, if you take each one as a whole, 04 is the most significant. 13 meant the most. 18 04 was the best. meant the most. You think 04 meant was more the best to the team. city of Boston? Then you think 04 mm -hmm. meant more to the yes. city of Boston than winning it after the bombing? I do. Really? I would agree. Mm -hmm. I mean, 13 meant a lot. But well, I put how, 04 first, by the way. Yeah, I, it, I, I, it's, I put 04 first. They mean a lot, obviously, for different reasons. But I objectively, 04 meant more to the city of Boston than 13 did. Maybe. OK, so maybe looking back on it now, but in that time period, the Red Sox won it in 13 when the city needed something like that yeah. more than they needed it in 04. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't know if that's true, Matt. I really don't. I, I like this is worse coming than my off take. of coming off of uh, the Aaron Boone Homer the year before, and then getting back to the ALCS, being down three games to nothing, being the first team yeah. to come back, being down three zero against the Yankees, winning Game Seven in the Bronx, and then sweeping the World Series. I know. 
You were? I was at game seven. I did not know that. Why? Johnny, You've never told me that. When Johnny Damon hit two homers, mm. including That's, a grand slam. Yes, I was at yeah. that game. Off of what's his what's his name? Javier Vasquez. Yeah, what a bum! What a bum that guy was. Thanks, thanks for the thanks for the yeah. fucking pen. How about that? Yeah, what a bum. How about that? Yeah, I yeah, did not know it? that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's like that's just that's just the truth. People might think that that's an insensitive thing to say, but 04 definitely meant more to the city of Boston than the 13. But it's for different reasons. Like 13 meant a lot. So it just puts 04 in even more perspective. That if it, 13 meant that much, 04 still meant more. I think the way like you put it is and like Tyler 13 still meant so last. much. Uh, yeah, like hey, an absolute jackass. No, we were talking personal. We were talking personal. So what's inside mm-hmm. my heart, not mm-hmm. everybody else's. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is no wrong answer. But secondly, 2013 was for everyone in that moment of time. I think 04 was generations. Like, yeah. I don't know. I, I always think of those stories that are like, my That's grandfather like died saying. and he like, never saw one. Yeah. Right. I, I, I line it right up there. It's like regional excitement. 13 when it for stretches. the people inside of Boston. What it did for that city and reuniting them under one common positive was massive. I think. Just listen, I'm just... And then 18 was the best team ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In the I mean, history each, of baseball. Each championship... Uh, each champ... Like, if, if you're a Mario Kart guy... Each championship was a mushroom in my career, no doubt. <laughs> like every time, it was like whoosh, 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 every single one. True. So I, uh, True. I can talk about each one having special significance. Put them in any order you want, and uh, it is what it is. But uh, Matt Barnes, World Series champ, All Star, New England native. Uh, thank you for coming on, spending all this time with us. And uh, best of luck with the Miami Marlins. That feels gross saying that, but um, I do obviously wish it's gonna be exciting now. Watching, yeah, it's gonna be exciting. Miami, dude, it's gonna be fun. Yeah, you're gonna 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 have a great time. Yeah, for sure. We'll 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 catch up soon. Of course. (sighs) Okay, bye. Do you have a signature sign-off phrase? Uh, no, not anymore. It used to be. Steve used to say, wouldn't want to cuff you because that's what Garen Austin said in her commercials before she was the Red Sox online reporter, but I don't say that. Oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> you need like a... You need like a... A signature stay, sign. Stay, <laughs> yeah. Like an, uh, I'm Ron Burgundy. You stay classy, San Diego. <laughs> I'll think on it. You come up with one and I'll do it. All right. Buenas noches, amigos.